to the KC City Church Audio Podcast. We pray you enjoy this following sermon. Oh, thank you. Thank you for that wonderful time of communion. Jan and Nandi, we really appreciate that. Thank you for leading us in such a, a, a real reflective time. And, you know, as we consider and as we remember just the amazing work of the Lord. I want to take us into this time that we have this morning as we just center around the word today. And uh, I'm going to entitle my message, Everything, Everything's Under His Control. So, so keep that in the back of your mind. Everything is under His control. How much do you believe that? How are you feeling and how are you believing that? This, this morning, How's, what's your experience been thus, thus far? And we're going to be looking at the book of uh, Philippians. We're going to just uh, try and race through quite a few verses this, this morning. So if I can invite you again to please just close your eyes for a minute and just begin to consider that everything is under His control. Everything, not not one, not two, but everything. So whatever that you might be finding over this period of time that you may feel that it's uh, kind of slipping away, it's just falling through the cracks. You don't seem to have be able to have a handle on it, and uh, it's it's all it's all shifting and changing, and it's happening so swiftly that that you're just uh, you, you you know you just feel. Gosh, Lord, what do I do? You know, how do I how, how do I maneuver through this? You know, there's just so much of uncertainty, but there is an absolute certainty in the in in the one you believe and in the person that we worship today. Amen. There is that there is that certainty, but let's let's just bow our heads and let's take a maybe a minute or so and just begin to reflect on that. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Lord, how wonderful. How wonderful. Father, we pray, Lord, even as we consider this and as we bring our thoughts and, and, and as we bring captive our thoughts to the Lordship of Jesus Christ this morning. Father, we pray that you pull anything that is fleeting and anything that may not be able to find a place to land on, that you would bring that into this space, Lord. And that you would cause your word to begin to, to, uh, to grab these thoughts and to bring uh, some measure of resolve, Lord. Father, as we begin to open our hearts, as we begin to allow our mind to be this, uh, this, this, this healthy place, where seeds can be sown, where the promise of your word, Lord, can be unveiled today. And we just want to thank you. We just want to thank you for that certainty. And we, we bless you in your mighty name, Jesus, we pray. And, you know, friends, if I can turn, if I can ask you to turn with me to Philippians chapter 3, verse 21. And it reads... Philippians chapter 3, verse 21, it says this, He will take our weak and mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like His own, using the same power with which He will bring everything under 
his control into which he will bring everything under his control i know as you read this you may be you you might be thinking that oh that 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 has a future sense there and which is true because it talks about the glorious day the day that christ is going to come and return and isn't that an amazing uh, and 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 a wonderful promise that we know he's going to be coming back and and we await that day uh, some of us I wonder whether we'll be alive or whether 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 we'll be alive or not. I mean, the uh, I think the disciples all thought that probably they were going to be alive. And so many of us, I remember in the 80s, I thought that, man, I was going to see the second coming of the Lord. And now it's 2020. And uh, we, we're still believing and still trusting that the Lord is going to come back. And hence, as we partook of the communion today, do you know that? is a reminder. It helps us that as we do this in remembrance of our Lord and as we await His coming. So that's a, that's, that in itself is a promise. But you know what? Any, what is to happen in the future can be experienced today. Now, that's, that's, that's an important thing. It, it is important for us to know that He is in control, not just of our tomorrows, but He's in control of our today, of our present, present day. And let's look at a couple of verses in Luke chapter 12, verse 22 to 26. It says this, Do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body what you will wear. Life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens, it says that. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn. Yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than the birds? Imagine how much more valuable are you and I than than the birds of the air. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour of his life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? What a comforting passage of scripture here. Let's look at Psalm chapter 46 verse 1 and it says this. Oh, I love this. God is our refuge and strength. And hear this. An ever-present help in trouble. And ever-present. So at, at this point in time, an ever-present help in trouble. So he can never be a refuge if you don't need protection. He can never be your refuge if you don't need protection. He can never be your strength if you are, too, if you, if you are strong and in control. He can never be your help if you're not in a place that requires his help. Right. The truth is this, that he's in control of your health. He's in control of the economy. He's in control of your finances. He's in control of our families, of our work. You know, last week we heard Captain Eric say this, that that he that we are carved in the palm of his hands, of his hands. And it's from Isaiah that we are carved in the palm of his hands. And that's how. That's, that's how he views us. That's how amazingly precious we are to him. So everything is under control. Do you believe it? Are you and I living that as if we believe that this, this morning? Now, what if Paul, the Apostle Paul, comes and interviews us this morning or interviews some of you? And if he were to ask you that question, right? What, what is your response going to be like? Think again. I'd love for you to just think about it a little bit. But do you reckon that 
Paul, who wrote the book of uh, Philippians, the letter of, uh, of uh, Philippians to the Philippian church, was Paul in isolation? Just like how we are in isolation, right? Was Paul in isolation? And I want to give you a little bit of, uh, little bit of background. As, as, as we, the entire world right now, are in isolation, how can we really respond to that? Now, Paul was writing this letter Firstly, to the Philippians, to the church in Philippi, while he was in prison, actually. So he was in isolation. Whilst awaiting, right, sentencing for him in Rome. And the distance from Philippi to Rome was about 7,500 kilometers, right? Now, he wasn't certain of what was going to happen. So Rome wasn't very near as well. And not, not knowing what was going to happen, imagine what was going through his mind. Now, isn't that something that we can relate to in this season that we are living in that we don't know what the future is going to hold, except that we know that there are so many changes that are going to be happening. What, what, what do we do? What's going to happen after the JobKeeper package for all of us here in Australia, right? We're so thankful that the government has provided this, this stimulus, you know, for so many, so many people, for millions. And so we're so thankful for that. But what happens after September? You know, so the, 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 the uncertainty looms in a way that creates the sense of anxiety, probably, seeps away at the context of our, of our joy. So... In isolation. Now, Paul, being in isolation, he was away from his friends. He was away from his co-workers. He was in chains on top of that. He couldn't even do any of any exercise at all. So imagine just there being in chains and, and all of that. So let's, let's, let's see. Let's see how Paul actually really handled his circumstance. And let's try and glean as much as we can from Paul's life. From Paul's life. Right. What's pertinent for us today that we can draw out of the book of Philippians? How can we apply this to our lives at this point in time? Right now, you know, though we all may be thankful for so many things, our current pressures that we are in, right? The current pressure that we are, that we are in can, can literally squeeze the joy out of us, right? There are days where it's difficult, I'm sure you would agree. And there are days that are just, um, are just amazing. You know, we get desperate, right? And so in our desperation, we often search for something. We often search for the sense of joy or happiness, right? In, in all kinds of ways, right? Acquiring possessions, indulging in, in food, hours on the computer games, Netflix, or on the share market, for instance, but none of these can provide lasting joy. So where do you find joy in the midst of a trying circumstance? Now, Paul knew, as did the Philippians, that true joy comes only through acknowledging our faith or acknowledging your faith in the saving work of Jesus Christ. Friends, if you don't know him today, I pray that you would open your hearts to, to come to know Jesus Christ because joining ourselves in with him brings us to a place of really recognizing the sense of joy that is beyond just your human uh, emotion. Remember, I asked you that question right at the start. There is the sense of divine joy and there is something that we experience here in the form of what I may term as happiness. 
right? This joy that he comes to give can only be achieved through the sense of union with Jesus Christ. But he also talks about joining ourselves in harmony or being united with our fellow believers. That's another thing that is highlighted in this, in, in, in the book of Philippians. Now, serving others in the name of Christ. Now, this was the life experienced by the, by the Philippian believers. And it is a life that is available to us today, friends. So, coming back to that question, if Paul were to interview you today in this present circumstance, what would your answers be? Give us some feedback. If, you, if you're able to just type in some of your feedback today in the comment, comment section, that would be good. And uh, I've, I've got a couple of people that are just noticing that and they're going to let me know as well what it is. But, but here are some feedback that I've, uh, that I've got from various ones. Oh man, I can't wait to go back to work. You know, I heard my daughter saying the other day, I can't wait to go back to school. <laughs> you know, this homeschooling thing at work, at home, online is, 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 is difficult. I just can't wait to go back to school. Now, I can imagine. Imagine now, what, what, your, what are your pets going to be saying? Right? What will your cat say? What will your dog say? Right? Probably they might be saying this, man, when are these guys actually going to go back to you know, get back to work or go back to school. Man, they're just so needy. They're always just asking. They're always coming around me. They're always, you know, wanting me to wa- wanting me to be with them. So imagine how your pets are feeling now. When can I watch sports? That's the other. When can we go out for coffee? Now, generally, we have coffee now over Zoom. That's how it is. We catch up over Zoom. We have dinner over Zoom dinners. Imagine that. I'm sure many of you are doing that. Not sure if or not sure what will happen after the JobKeeper uh, stimulus, right? It's crazy at home. It's crazy at home. I just can't take it anymore. They're just driving me mad. They're driving me. I can't go to this room. I can't if I go to that room. So and so is there and this and that. And all of that. It's just a, it's just a, bit, of a, a bit of a crazy time. Right. All of this has an effect on our lives. Now, Paul himself wasn't sure about his own life and what was obviously going to be happening. Now, imagine Paul didn't have what we have, social media. Now, we put our feelings, we put our emotions, we put our thoughts on on Facebook. And then we have all these emojis and we say, oh, reflecting, thoughtful, feeling, uh, feeling, um, um, feeling uh, uh, down. Or feeling, um, feeling sad, sorry, feeling sad. And, and so as you put that, you know, many people begin to respond and they begin to encourage. So whilst we may be separate, though we still have social media to somewhat encourage, but Paul did not. And so what did he do during that time, friends? This, this, this is such an important question. Because you know what? This is going to pass. This season is not going to remain, right? What are you going to now, when you look back, what are you going to show yourself, your family, the Lord himself, that he's given us this time to begin to reset? He's given us this time to begin to look and reflect and, and to actually consider what is important and what isn't. What we thought was important over, over our lifetime probably. The Lord now has brought us to a place and to say, consider, consider. Now begin to consider. That is, that's, that's, that's vital. So let me take you through 
some of these some of these passages of of scripture through uh, through Philippians. I just want to highlight some of these passages which have been quoted, right? By so many, so he gives the church in uh, the church in Philippi some really good advice that we, the church, we as believers, and even if you're not a believer this morning, this is this is great advice for us in an environment that that we are in. He who began a good work in you, <clears throat> excuse me, he who began a good work in you, will perfect it until the day. Of Christ Jesus, Philippians chapter one verse six. So he started a work. Now he's gonna he's gonna perfect it. He doesn't he didn't say that you and I are gonna perfect it, but he says he who began a work. And some uh, some versions say this: Be confident that the work he has started, he will complete. Now, oh, this is one of my favorites. If if at all, Paul has a mission statement. This is what I believe his mission statement is. Philippians chapter 1 verse 21 to live is Christ and to die is gain to live is Christ and to die is gain and this was my late mother's favorite verse Philippians chapter 4 verse 13 I can do all things through him who strengthens me I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me Right, Philippians 4 4 says this rejoice in the Lord always again I will say rejoice Verse 6, it says this, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts, will garrison your hearts. There will be like a troop of soldiers in there that will be guarding. You've got a sentry in there that will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. And in verse Eight of uh, chapter 4, it says this, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, and if there is any pra- anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. So he says, meditate, think about it, reflect. Let it occupy your mind. Let it occupy your world. L- be, be conscious of it. Don't let it slip you during this time. So, so Paul, in his time of isolation, he could have whinged. He could have said, man, why don't you take up these chains? Man, I can't. I, I, you know, I've, I've lost contact with everyone. And here I'm listening to, these, so, to, to all these other prisoners. And they're all always just whinging and they're so negative and that's basically it so he's got no friends to speak into into his life he's got no facebook to begin to share his emotions none of that and at this period of time during this time he begins to pen these words these promises another of my favorites philippians chapter 3 And he says, oh, I want to know you more. Oh, I want to know you more. I want to be made more like you. I want to know the power of your death and resurrection. I want to know that. That is that sense of of intimacy. You know, friends, joy. Joy is this. It's it's something that is buoyant within. It's 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 a it's a happy emotion. It's a, it's a great feeling regardless if it's uh, w- whether it's because of you know a massive life event such as a birth, weddings, something like that. What is joy? What is joy to you? You, you know the benefits of joy. 
of feeling more joy is this it promotes healthier lifestyle it boosts your immune system it fights stress and pain <laughs> hence that's why he says be anxious for nothing right it supports longevity it protects your heart right it's the antidote against anxiety and depression smiling now hear this smiling can trick your brain by elevating your mood lowering your heart rate and reducing your stress so come on smile let me see that let me see that yes come on it's getting better let me see you smile that's great now turn to someone beside you and smile and if you don't have someone beside you just smile anyway okay so the smile doesn't have to be based on real emotion because faking it works as well <laughs> isn't that great faking it works as well you know and i keep always saying this that coming to australia has been so good for me because i have never heard this before as happy as larry right so that's something i've 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 got to do i've just got to smile my wife often tells me that i in a in a crowd i can hear you because your laughter is so loud and it is so unique praise god come on just laugh it out this morning and 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 you know what even if it's even if you fake it there is still medical evidence to say that it does something deep within so imagine what joy can do why does he then say rejoice and again i say rejoice <laughs> rejoice and again i say rejoice so now the point is this how do i maintain consistent joy how do i stay buoyant how do i remain there are three thoughts that i just want to try and quickly give you one is stand firm The first thing is he says stand firm and it is in chapter 4 verse 1 it says therefore my brothers my brothers you whom i love and long for my joy and crown and this is who how he refers to them is and he says this that is how you should stand firm in the lord dear friends so the call to stand firm refers to a soldier staying faithfully at his post no matter what happens around him Let the enemy attack as he will the soldier's orders are clear stand firm This command was often repeated by Paul and you find it in several of his letters in 1 Corinthians 15:58 uh, he says he stand firm let nothing move you 1 Corinthians 16:13 it says he stand firm in the faith Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 it says to stand firm and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery Ephesians 6 verse 11 it says take your stand against the devil's schemes take your stand and in 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 verse 13 he says having done everything what do you do having done everything to stand amen having done everything to stand so why is this repeated why is this emphasis on standing being repeated or stand firm i think paul understood that the devil's attempt to try and discourage and distract the people of he, he knew that to try and distract the people of god to try and take them away from their post from where they are supposed to be standing he knew that that we would be sorely tempted to begin to move So when the enemy knocks 
we respond and we move as opposed to saying, no, I'm going to stand and I'm going to stand firm. How many times have you watched movies, right? And you know that if the person would have stood there, they would have been safe. But as something begins to happen, and I know you, you need to watch movies with my wife because... Oh gosh, that's that's just the, the, the you know, I, I think one of the best experiences because she will tell you what the director probably is e- e- either doesn't know of or probably has to change his 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 approach to the movie because she will tell she'll be advising the direct she'll be adv- advising the director or the cast and say don't 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 go don't go because there's someone there don't don't you know that's the that's the thing and so the the the, the enemy in a sense now he comes now I wish you can hear the voice of the Lord that says don't go don't go don't go but so often we are tempted to go aren't we but stand firm, friends. Stand firm. The other, the other aspect is this that he, he he talks about is the sense of being united. He brings now, in order to remain, to have this joy on a consistent basis, stand firm. The second aspect is when we remain united, when we are in harmony with one another, there is the sense of joy that will continue. Amen. And, and, he, and he addresses that in chapter 4 as well. And he talks about, and he names two people here. And it says, one was named Eodia, meaning sweet smell. And the other, Syntyche, meaning friendly. Right? So there was this difficult and delicate problem within the, within the Philippian church. And there were these two women who were leading. They had some issues amongst one another. Now, we don't know how much these women or the precise nature of their dispute. But for whatever reason, sweet smell and friendly weren't very sweet or very friendly to each other at all weren't very friendly or sweet to each other. There were evidently some, they, they were certainly personal friends who worked with, with Paul in, 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 having, um, in, in founding the church at Philippi. But the word contended in verse 2 means that they engaged in some, com, uh, some, some measure, some competition and, and, and it in indicates that these women were, were, were strong, they were determined, they were hardworking, of course, and probably opinionated. And so there was this sense of, um, you know, there was, a, that, 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 there was a falling between these two individuals. And here, he gives them this advice and he says, he causes, he, he tries to get them to redirect their focus, right? Paul exhorts these two women to agree wholeheartedly agree, which literally means to come to one mind. It doesn't mean seeing eye to eye on every detail. Instead, it indicates a personal choice to focus on the things that unite them to Christ. Focus on that. Focus on what is important so that we become united. So as we ponder on this section here, let me give you six very simple and practical steps, right? One is this, you need to know and, and you need to be able to separate your convictions from your opinions. That's number one. Number two is be willing to ask for forgiveness in 
again, the context of trying to remain united, right? Number three is look for opportunities to show kindness in small ways. Number four, pray for the success of the other person that you feel is anxious. Pray, pray for the success of that person. Number five, ask God to remove this bitterness from your heart. Lord, please take this away. Why am I feeling this? Lord, I want to pray a blessing upon that person. And the final thing is this, ask a friend or ask someone to hold you accountable in this area. Right? Do not do this where you go to someone and say, hey, I've got this issue with this person. You know, can you please pray with me? And then you share all of And then that person becomes upset with the other person now for no reason at all. Right? Because it's, it's, it's your issue. So be careful how it is. Pick someone that you know and that you truly trust. Now, in his book, Judson Edwards says this, uh, the, the book entitled, What They Never Told Us About How to Get Along with One Another. What they never told us how to get along with one another. This, uh, this is some of his advice he gives. He says, agree more, uh, argue less. Listen more, talk less. Produce more, advertise less. Confess more, accuse less. Laugh more and fret less. Give more and receive less. So these words, they're all really good words. They're great words. They need to be taken to heart. So take some time during this, this period of isolation to consider your relationship. If you can settle them completely. Amen. Uh, my third and uh, final point is, uh, is, is this. Resolve to rejoice. Paul's third command is quite simple. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say again, rejoice. Now, though short, this command may seem to be really one of the most difficult ones to obey consistently. Note that the command to rejoice is the only one that is repeated. So why is that? And I, well, I think it's because it's, it's, it's easy. It's easy to forget. In the midst of dealing with difficulties it, or with difficult people, it is so easy to forget when problems begin to upset us, when life becomes so difficult. So when Paul says uh, rejoice always, he's not talking about, you know, the sense of, of, of godliness or a positive uh, mental attitude. You know, this is what he's saying. He says, he, he's not saying put on now this, this, this happy face. It's not what I mentioned to you, just fake that smile. He's not talking about that aspect or look for the silver lining. This is not what Paul is saying. He's saying to rejoice. The rejoicing he has in mind is not based on outward circumstances. That's crucial because very often our circumstances are quite depressing. Amen. Like our current state. You know, it could be so difficult and it is, it is really frustrating. It is, you know, as you focus on it, it's very depressing. If you listen to all of the news, it becomes even more depressing. So I take it that Paul didn't enjoy being in prison, but he found reasons to rejoice even in that difficult circumstance. You know, uh, um, Larry King had interviewed Dr. Billy Graham. Graham when he was 80 years old. Now the last several years of Dr. Graham has had he, he's he's had a number of major health problems. He he had undergone several difficult operations and now suffer and, and suffered from Parkinson's disease. So how does 
How did Billy Graham feel about the prospect of his own death? Oh, I'm not afraid to die. In fact, I'm looking forward to it. I wish the day would hurry up and get here. And what does he expect will happen when he dies? Oh, when I die, an angel is going to come. An angel is going to take me by the hand and lead me into the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. So when Larry King asked him how he felt about having Parkinson's disease, Dr. Graham replied, I feel great about it. It's been a wonderful experience. I believe the Lord has many lessons to teach me through this disease. Wow. Surely this is what it means to rejoice in the Lord always, that through it, through it, I can rejoice. Through it, through whatever it is, I can rejoice. Can I give you some homework? As a practical way to apply this, this, this message, sometime between now and next Sunday, take a sheet of paper and write down the top reasons to rejoice today. What are some of the top reasons? Then give yourself five to ten minutes and list as many reasons as you can think to rejoice in the Lord. Right? I took, I took a few minutes and I began to write this. And I, there, there, there were so many things that I could begin to just write down. The first thing is, you know, the fact that I am actually really forgiven. With all of the things, with all of the stupid stuff that I've done, I am forgiven. And that when he looks at me, he looks at me as someone who's righteous in his sight, not as someone that's condemned. I'm not a sinner. I'm a saint in him. Yes, I may sin and I repent. I don't look at that flip flippantly. I don't treat it lightly. But I come to him and I know that because of his embrace, he will pull me in. It will pull me in. And as I conclude this morning, I want to conclude with this, friends. What are you thinking about? What are you thinking? What are you thinking? In verses 8, he says it. Finally, brothers, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. That's our vaccine. That's what it is. It's not just something that's just going to happen, friends. He actually says, think about these things. So what are you being preoccupied with? What are your thoughts? Where are your thoughts taking you to this morning? Oh, afternoon, or in the evening, wherever you are, whichever time zone that you're in. Where do you find yourself, your mind just pulling you away? You know, do you know that an average person has 10,000 separate thoughts each day? That works to about 3.5 million thoughts a year. If you live to be 75 you will have 26 million different thoughts. Already most of you have had about 2,000 separate thoughts since you've got out of bed today, this morning. You'll probably have another 8,000 before you hit the sack tonight. 
then you will start all over again tomorrow. So the principle that Paul, behind Paul's words is simple. You know what? Sin always begins in the mind. But so does holiness. You know, so does, so does holiness. When Paul says, think about such things, the command is really in the present tense. Keep thinking about these things. Find what is true and think about it. Find what is lovely and think about it. Find the virtuous and think about it. Do it. And this is what will happen. Verse 9. The, the God of peace will be with you. The God of peace is there with you. He's not somewhere else. He's there with you. Right now, He's there with you. And I think maybe that's why. You know, the writer of that hymn. Gosh, I can't remember his name now. It is well with my soul. When peace like a river attends my soul. When seas like billows. So waves just come. Jesus slept through those waves. The disciples freaked out because there was an inner peace. His mind was not on the waves because his heart was set in the right place. And where is yours this morning? You know, as you think through that, as you close your eyes and as you ponder that, and as you see the peace of God just surrounding you, that he's, he will garrison, he will guard your heart. Next week we start a brand new series. And I'm so excited about this series. But it's imperative that you pay attention to what we've shared today. Because this is important, this is like a precursor to that too. Next week we start our series on Imagine More. Imagine, imagine more, imagine more. And it is looking through the Gospels at the miracles of Jesus Christ, all of his miracles. And next week is Mother's Day. You know, the picture the Lord gave in Imagine More was this, that as in our isolation, we're likened like Lazarus, being in the tomb and we feel that we have been forgotten set aside separated and Jesus comes and he says rise up come and he begins to untangle that bandage what you may have been bound he now says come forth come forth so next week next week Join us. Join us again for our Imagine More series.